This is the Stoppage Time Podcast from WEGL 91.1, giving you the latest on all the big talking points from the Premier League and the Champions League. Hello and welcome to another episode of Stoppage Time. I'm your host, Chris Basinger, and joining me in the studio today is Andy Hewling. Andy, how are you? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm surviving. Uh, Harrison Schooler also joins us in the studio. Harrison, how was your weekend? Uh, it was a pretty good weekend, Chris. Pretty good. All right, and making his return, the man, the myth, the legend, David Ordway. David, how was your one month almost sabbatical? Uh, it was really nice. Uh, you know, I had a really good, nice sabbatical. Got away from soccer. Uh, you know, still watched it and still cried, but we're good. David, what did you learn while you were, you know, <laughs> gone? I was going to ask that same question. What did I learn? Yes. What, what did, did you, you learn, learn about yourself? About myself? Yeah. Um, I don't really know. I don't think I learned anything about myself. Well, did you learn anything about Spurs? Is yes. The question. Yes, I learned a lot about Spurs. I, I learned a lot. I did a lot of um, rewatching, Soul searching? Soul searching, yeah, and uh, listening. And learned a lot. Good. Good. It's always good to listen rather than talk. Yes. It's good to hear. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's get right into it. U.S. men's national team had two games over the break, a 4-1 to win against Jamaica and a 2-1 to win over Northern Ireland. Uh, Harrison, let's open with you. Uh, you talked a lot about uh, what you wanted to see out of these teams last week when we were doing the previews. Uh did they do what you wanted to see? I I didn't necessarily have high expectations or anything because of the opposition that we're facing and the fact that Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams were unable to take part in the squad. So you're already left with a midfield that you know probably isn't going to be the midfield that will take the field in the Nations League this summer. Now you do have loads of other players that are going to be on the field, like Zach Steffen, for example, who I thought performed well in goal for a couple of games. Gio Reyna, of course, who showed some 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 good work. But I think the the two players that stood out to me the most were Serginho Dest, naturally, because he is just incredibly gifted. I think to have players with his kind of confidence to dribble the ball and take on anybody, and you have Pulisic in the lineup as well, who is just as willing to do that, it just gives you a level of dynamism that not every team has the luxury of having, somebody that can just beat people one-on-one. I thought Brandon Aronson was also another player that just looks like he's going to be such an impact player for the squad. I love the way he plays between the lines. He's extremely clever with his movement, and I really love his passing vision. It's it's honestly excellent the way he can link up play. But naturally the biggest question was the striker spot for this for this camp and it's early, and you don't really want to call anything because of the age of Sargent and DK, but I love the way Sargent kind of keeps a fluidity when he's on the field. Their ball keeps going, and it, it moves quickly. With DK, he strikes me, and this is I'm, – I'm trying not to profile here, but I, I believe he is a target man, an impact player that with maybe 30 minutes could come in and wreak absolute havoc on some guys who have just had 60 minutes on their legs. He can put a body against them, wear them down even more, and he's fast. He's good with his feet to take the ball in when he's fed in between the lines. I just I, – I really preferred the way that Sargent can kind of get the ball around – 
quickly and link up with the midfielders around him and his wingers coming inside. Uh, Yunus Musa, he's not, I, I think we need to put uh, some context here. He's not going to absolutely blow your socks off with his ability. This was a big get for for different reasons. He's just such a solid all-around player. It is very impressive that uh, somebody of his age is at Valencia, getting the minutes he has. He had probably has more minutes now because Fatih is out, but him and Fatih were leading the charge for months with minutes played by teenagers in the league. But he's not he's not like he's not going to beat anybody one on one. He's just gonna play the ball tidy. He's gonna keep the ball at times. His retention is good, his passing is good. He is quick, he plays in between spaces at times. But it's just about having players of a certain caliber and more of them. And his ability is is very good, but it's not like a superstar changing. It, it is a great signing, though. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Daryl DK. He's only 20 years old. Um, do you think this loan spell at Barnley is really going to help him out? I think this is, in, this is incredible. I mean, Orlando City, I've heard rumors of double-digit figures being turned down from Premier League top six clubs. I read an article about him the other day in the Athletic, and it just—it's it, incredible what he's done. His eleven games with the club, six goals, um, and just the fact that he was bought with the with the just qualifications of having played for the United States men's national team at the end of January. It just allowed him to get in under the new rules set in England, and yeah, it's it's turned out to be a great buy. And honestly, if we were to look into it. And there is a quote top six side interested in Daryl DK. I think West Ham. I mean, this this would fit them and David Moyes perfectly. It wouldn't push them over the limit with price whatsoever. I believe the obligation or the option to buy might be ten million. Um, maybe there it might be an obligation, but they still have a lot to work with, and he is a very promising young striker. Well, I could definitely name one big six side that could use a uh, striker right about now. Uh, but, of course, these weren't the only games that the United States were involved in. The U23s fell 2-1 to one to the Honduras U23s, meaning that the United States will be missing the Olympic Games for the third time in a row. The U.S. hasn't qualified for the Olympics since 2008. Now, most of the players on the national team are in that really young range, right? Under 25, pretty much. Do you think if many of them played for the U23 team, that team would be able to qualify for the Olympics? Yeah, but there's no value in it. So there's no point in making a big deal out of it other than for ESPN to get really excited about an opportunity for some likes. All right, so that was U.S. Men's National Team Watch with Harrison. Uh, let's move on to some of the other international games. Of course, there were World Cup qualifiers in Europe. Uh, one of the big games that we got to talk about, Turkey 4, Netherlands 2. Uh, Andy, this Netherlands team seems to be struggling without uh, the likes of Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, I mean, obviously Liverpool can attest to that. Uh, if, hmm. if you haven't watched any Liverpool games, go watch them. But Netherlands was about the same way. But, I mean, honestly, though, 
I think this Turkey team does have some quality. I mean, you you can't discount uh, some of the guys they have on their team, but you know, I have to wonder, and I bet Harrison's going to have a little bit to say about it, but. The Frank DeBoer effect, I don't know uh, if it's going to really take off at the Dutch national team. Harrison, you want to add to that? Yeah, this hire makes absolutely no sense. You can just go down his track record. It's it's terrible. His longest stint, I believe, was at Lenny United because they didn't want to admit they made a mistake with their next hire after Tata had set the bar so high. This is this is a joke. He's not going to be able to get them through anything at the Euros. I mean, the ball is just side to side at a nice, slow pace that's not going to get you anywhere. And I just don't understand this hire whatsoever. Yeah, they don't have Virgil van Dijk. I'm sure that would make an absolute world of a difference. But Daly Blind is a solid player. They should still not be letting in four goals the way they were. They should be able to put more goals in the back of the net, but they just... Frank DeBoer is not a good manager. This is going to be a rough time for the Netherlands because it's going to be sometime in mid-June when they're panicking after they've probably been knocked out, having not even reached past the group stage. Well, of course, and the Netherlands didn't make it to the World Cup last time, so I think if Frank de Boer can somehow get this team out of the rut that they're currently in, which I'm not sure if he'll be able to do that, uh, making it to the World Cups would definitely be a plus. But one thing that I did notice was when uh, Rama, Ronald Koeman was the head coach of the Netherlands national team, uh, he would play Gene Wijnaldum in more of an attacking midfield role right you would see him as a as a box-to-box sometimes even playing as a 10 um and now he just looks a bit stunted like frank de just doesn't really know how to use him because he he doesn't want to use him the same way that liverpool use them because the netherlands plays in a in a 4-2-3-1 um but i i don't think he's utilizing and it isn't just one autumn uh it's players like frankie de young and uh, Matthias Delict, that he's just—I don't think he's just getting the best out of these players. Um, Turkey, though, also beat Norway three-nil. Kept a certain Erling Holland uh, uh, goalless in that game. Uh, David, you think uh, Turkey could be a dark horse going into uh, the World Cup? Maybe Euros. It's what you love about the World Cup is there's teams, there's countries that can come out of nowhere, kind of, and you know, make it. Um, I remember a few years ago, you know, uh, and this is this wasn't even the World Cup, but I remember watching South Korea during the Asian Games play, and they hadn't won the Asian Games in years, and they won the Asian Games, and it was kind of one of those things that was, like, you know, really cool. Um, I, and, you know, you think a long time ago when the United States, you know, we played Belgium. It, it's one of those things that the, the smaller countries that aren't for known for soccer – and for football, come out and they play their their hearts out. And I mean, who, who can forget uh, in the Euros, um, Iceland? You know, it's one of those things that it brings warmth to your heart, and you, you give it to these guys for playing for their country. Yeah, we've seen teams like Iceland, teams like Wales. Uh, speaking of Wales, Wales lost to Belgium three to one. Liverpool loney Harry Wilson scored uh, the only goal for Wales. Uh, Goals for Belgium were scored by Kevin De Bruyne, Hazard, not Eden, Thorgan, of course, 
and uh, Romelu Lukaku. Uh, Belgium have dropped off a little bit since their uh, semifinal run in the World Cup. Uh, I believe, right? They made it to the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, Lukaku, I believe, just became their all-time highest scorer. Uh, do you think that he's going to continue thriving for Belgium and maybe get that in Serie A more? Belgium's yeah. interesting. So for a long time, they seem to have struggled with offensive players, mm -hmm. and they had a strong defense, and now it's kind of swapped. Uh, you know, Dries Martins is older now, so, you know, but, you know, they have Kevin De Bruyne and Romelu Lukaku and, and both Hazards, even though Eden's injured at the moment. But, you know, for a long time, their back line was, you know, Courtois, Alderweireld, and Vertonghen. It still is Courtois, Alderweireld, and Vertonghen, but you have two older center backs now. Um, you know, it's one of those things that it's kind of a, you know, when I used to play FIFA, there's not one Belgian icon in FIFA. And, yes, there are Belgian legends. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, like, there isn't one in FIFA, which is just interesting because, you know, you would think now you look at Belgium as a country and you think, wow, you got all these great players. Um, so it, I think it's one of those things that they can make a run. They can do a lot of good. Uh, depends on how their health. You know, if you lose a Lukaku, you're going to struggle. Um, you know, they don't have Hazard, but you get him back healthy. And, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is, makes every the world go round. Um you know, he's just outstanding. Yeah, he could definitely be the uh, the make-it-break-it player for this team. Um, there was, however, some controversy in these World Cup qualifiers. Uh, there never seems to not be any controversy in soccer. But Serbia to Portugal to Cristiano Ronaldo thinks that he scored the winning goal in this game right at the end. Ball clearly goes over the line. Referee doesn't see it, and there is no VAR. I know that we've all had our own beliefs about VAR, but how can we justify it not being part of the qualifiers for the World Cup? Well, it's expensive. Goal line technology is very expensive. And to have it at every single ground available is just a little too much to ask of UEFA. And that's the that's the short and sweet, unfortunate part of it. And Ronaldo, I'm sure, was, I'm not sure, but might have just been a little more mad that he's in pursuit of this all-time goals record trying to beat the gentleman from Iran. Uh, I'm not entirely sure it was for the, the fact that they had just lost, but, you know, he's chasing that record. It's a tough time. He's trying to get to 109. I believe he's at 102. So He's a winner, too. You know, I, you, people, I saw a bunch of hate on Ronaldo, like, saying, like, this is a qualifying game, like, Portugal's going to make it. It's one of those things that, like, the reason Ronaldo is is argued to be the best player of all time is because he's a winner. And and he's, like, he strives to be a goal scorer and to have something that you know went in not counted, especially when you don't win the game. If it would have been 5 to nothing and that would have went in, I don't think he would have made a big deal out of it as much as he did. Yeah, I think with Ronaldo, too, like you said, he's incredibly motivated, right? And I I, I do think he would be uh, a bit angry even if they were up by five because that, that's a goal for him. And like Harrison was saying, he's competing for that uh, record. But I, I think Ronaldo is so incredibly motivated. I saw a video of him doing push-ups the other day in practice, and everyone else was doing regular push-ups, and he was doing those ones where you have to jump up and clap in between 
because he's the guy who's going to go that extra mile. He's going to push it, and that's why he's in such great form at, uh, at his age. Um, also, another fun little game, uh, Denmark played Moldova. Not much to talk about here other than the fact that the scoreline was 8-0. Denmark had 18 shots, 11 on target, and I believe six different goal scorers in the game. So that has been uh, the highest tally of the qualifiers so far. Uh, moving on, we have some some transfer news coming out today. Uh, probably the biggest story is that Manchester City have come out and confirmed that a certain Sergio Aguero will be leaving at the end of the season, um, at the end of his contract. Andy, I know last season David Silva left the club they built a statue for him outside the grounds. Do you think he's going to get one too? I think he deserves it. Obviously, I mean, probably one of, the, I mean, if not the best uh, non-English striker in the Premier League, he is the probably the one of the best we've said uh, or seen in uh, the game, at least in England. And you know, we all know him for the moment where he produced just an absolute classic goal against QPR uh, to win the title. Uh, Martin Tyler's one of his most famous calls, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just no telling like what kind of legacy he uh, has. But I mean, it's it's countless. And you know, I go back and I think about all the great goals that he scored in some of the biggest moments. And you know, he's just a world class guy. And wherever he goes, I'll be happy for him. Um, he's left a huge market city and he was part of that rebuild that city had uh, to make them what they are and you know I I think city fans will appreciate all that he's done for them Uh, we'll see where he goes you know I know a lot of people are saying Barcelona maybe PSG or maybe back to Argentina I know his original plan is kind of like what Messi's was maybe to go back to his home country uh, I know Messi's kind of, you know, we who knows what's going to happen with him, but I know Aguero kind of definitely wants to go back to his country uh, at some point, but we'll see. You know, he may end up uh, doing one more stint at a European club, or he may decide to just head on back to Argentina. Well, I think he's certainly going to be a future Premier League Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, but let's speculate about his future a bit. We know that um, Messi and Aguero – have been best friends for the past 15 years. I think they've been rooming together uh, when playing for Argentina. Uh, So there's a thought that he may be going to Barcelona. Barcelona, of course, lost Suarez uh, last year, so they are in the market for an experienced striker. I don't think Martin Braithwaite has quality, but he's no no Aguero. I don't know. You can debate me on that, David. I, I see you chuckling about it. Um, and then also, Messi's been flirting a bit with uh, MLS. So there could be a potential that maybe both of them, after playing for a couple of years in Barcelona, might find themselves playing for somewhere like uh, Inter-Miami. David, do you think that's at all possible? Uh, yeah, I kind of – I'm really – not talking about Messi, but like this for me is a if he does go to Barcelona, this is a big way that Barcelona's, you know, new regime has come in and kind of wanted Messi to stay. It's been, he made that very clear. Uh, getting Aguero to come in would probably be a really good start to that. Uh, there's a lot more that has to happen, but you know, I could see an MLS move for both of them. I would expect one uh, from Messi. Um, 
at some point. I think that, you know, we saw Zlatan Ibrahimovic do it. We've seen David Villa do it. We've seen a lot of Steven Gerrard, you know, David Beckham, all these greats that, you know, the MLS is kind of known as the retirement league um, for the big European players. But I could see Messi coming to the United States. Now, I, I am seeing a bit of a, a worrying trend, uh, at least in this is between Liverpool and Manchester City. So last year in the Champions League, Liverpool beat Red Bull Salzburg and then went on to buy um, Takumi Minamino uh, after in, in the January transfer window. And then Liverpool beats RB Leipzig, and now there's talk about Liverpool buying uh, Konate. Right, center back, uh, Upe Meccano has is already going to Bayern Munich, so he would be the other RB Leipzig center back to be going. And uh, Manchester City, of course, are losing their star striker. Who are they playing in the Champions League? Borussia Dortmund. You think there's uh, any chance that a replacement's coming in from Germany? I mean, I would hope so because I'm really high personally on Holland. Now, I know... You know, contrary to a lot of reports, I'm seeing that Real Madrid is a huge target for Holland. Also, uh, other targets, you know, could be like Chelsea, who have a potential stake in Holland. So, you know, I I think, you know, there's potential. Uh, Holland's dad is a Manchester City fan, and Holland actually grew up going to City games as a kid. Now, I'm not saying that that means that he's, you know, automatically going to come, but... I mean, you know, there's a little bit of heritage that uh, he you know, grew up going to City games. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a great player, and I think any club would be very fortunate to have him. But they're going to have to pay a massive price for him. Yeah, that would probably break records, I would think. Um, let's move on. I mentioned Kanate to Liverpool. It seems like the deal that's being talked about is about 40 million pounds. Uh, it seems like Liverpool is becoming – Red Bull, Liverpool at this point with the amount of players that uh, they're, they're buying from Leipzig and Salzburg. Um, Harrison, I want to ask you about this. Uh, Liverpool, of course, bought two center backs in the January transfer window. Uh, the superior Ben Davies and Ozan Kabak. Kabak, of course, is on loan. Um, what do you think this Konate deal means for Kabak and means for the rest of the team? Uh, I think this just means that they are probably going to have to be moving somebody on like Matip, who at this point I'm sure has chalked up enough injuries to warrant being pushed out of the club, moved on. And Konate is a promising physical presence who's just been a really excellent partner with Upa Meccano, and he's definitely better from the get-go than Ben Davies or Kabak. And you know, Kabak was just uh, a punt, and they were just going to see what they had, and it hasn't really been incredible, but it's not been terrible. But Konate is definitely the better option between the, the three. And there's also no timetable right now on when players like Mata, players like Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk would be coming back. I, I believe the club is hopeful that they would be back before the start of next season, but uh, I think if we're even talking about this right now, there's a chance that one of them uh, either wouldn't be back by the start of next season or might not be back at all. Uh, but let's move on to some Arsenal news uh, on the program. Uh, there has been talk out of Spain that Real Madrid 
are not willing to sell Odegaard. Now, he has been a huge part of Arsenal's recent performances since they got him on loan from Real Madrid. Uh, do you think if, and this is for anyone, if Odegaard isn't going to be sold to Arsenal, does he go back to Real Madrid at the end of uh, the season? I think this is this is a good move by Real Madrid because they know what they have for the future. I think that this leaves an opportunity for him to go out on loan for another season. Just maybe if Zidane gets moved on, because at the moment he just doesn't fit. He doesn't mesh with them. They don't under. They just don't get on. Maybe he doesn't make it into his eleven. So at the moment, if things are going well at Arsenal, which they have, they've gotten a lot better within the last month and a half. And I think that he should go back on loan there, spend another year under Mikel Arteta, and develop his game in a in a really great league and. Maybe he'll be ready to to represent the Whites in um, in La Liga with another manager. Staying on the whole Real Madrid topic, there's another player on loan from Real Madrid in North London at the moment by the name of Gareth Bale. Now, he's walked back his comments uh, from the last time we saw him talk. But, uh, David, I, I want to gauge you on what he said about Spain being the end goal and returning to Spain at the end of the se- uh, at the end of the season do you think that's accurate at all I think that's a typical football player answer on a loan uh you know not very often do you see players come out and say oh I want to be here this is where I want to be while they're on loan um and you know with Gareth Bale it's one of those things that he had his homecoming uh it's really a shame that I think it's going to come to an end after the end of the season I still have a little hope that it won't and a lot can happen uh you know he could kill it the rest of the season and we try right now I know it's reported that we won't and that's okay I totally understand that um but you know it's just a shame that this happened during a COVID year and not a year where fans were in the stadium um, I know Daniel Levy is very much in love with Gareth Bale. This was one of his goals was to have him come back, uh, and that came true. And so far, Daniel Levy's been really good about doing things like that. So um, I don't think he wants to play for Real Madrid anymore. I don't really know if he knows what he wants to do, but he has a year left on his contract, and he's getting paid a lot of money. So you can leave that up to your own thoughts. Yeah, we shall see. He's making ballpark six hundred thousand a week. Six fifty. Six fifty. That's absolutely insane. Um, well, I guess staying on Real Madrid, we are going to the Champions League. That's right. Champions League is coming back. Real Madrid got a tough three games coming up: Liverpool, Barcelona, Liverpool. Um, that will be the first match of the quarterfinals. Of course, we have Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Manchester City versus Dortmund, Bayern Munich versus PSG, and Porto versus Chelsea. We talked about this a bit last week, um, but as we go closer to it and as we see some of these players uh, playing for their national teams, uh, I know Ilkay Gundogan, I think, scored a goal for Germany, and Mo Salah scored a couple for Egypt. Uh, even Jordan Sakiri scored one for uh, Switzerland uh, earlier this week. Uh, what are we thinking going into these games? Do you think uh, 
you know, Bayern PSG, PSG just came off of that 4-2 win over Lille. You guys think that one's going to be a bit closer? There's a there's a huge missing factor in this game. I think we all know about it is Robert Lewandowski mm-hmm. and if he's going to play or not. Uh, right now I know it's reported that he's probably going to miss the game against RB Leipzig this weekend, which is also huge for the title race. Um, and then a game against, you know, PSG, which without Neymar, uh, but, you know, it's going to be really close. Um I do think that I do think that Baron will still win. Uh, I think that Hansi is a better coach than Pochettino, uh, even though that I love him to death. I just do, and this is a big this is a this is a big game for Poch. Um, and I know PSG has kind of been a little eh under him, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think PSG will have a lot on their hands in those few days. They come back from the international break to take on Lille for the top spot in Ligue 1. So they'll have that, and then Bayern Munich to deal with several days later. They have a lot in store. Yeah, um, I think with this game, I do see Bayern conceding some goals just because of their offense, or of, of how good their offense is, but sometimes I think their defense just has moments. You know, we've talked about it before. They've had moments where they've kind of fallen asleep and, you know, sometimes their opponent is able to take advantage of them. Now, if, you know, Bayern is very good, and I think even without Lewandowski, they still are that good because they have guys like Goretzka and Kimmich and Sané, and the list goes on. And I think that's going to give PSG some problems. Now, I mean, PSG have their own threats. I mean, you've got Mbappe, you've got, um, you know, guys – and you've got guys that can kind of fill, uh, you know, Neymar's spot. And I think Moise Keane even is one guy that uh, really can step up and, and have a leadership role for PSG. So, you know, we'll see uh, what happens. It should be a good game. But, you know, I still say advantage Bayern. Uh, but PSG will bring in a lot of revenge factor into this because they know after losing to Bayern in the final how bitter that felt, and they're not going to let that happen again. Of course, those games will be played on Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively. But before that happens, we have a return to the Premier League. Saturday, we got a really great run of games. Uh, Perhaps you can sleep in, too, because it's Chelsea-West Brom at 6.30 a.m. Get a nice breakfast somewhere if you really want to. Uh, then at 9 o'clock a.m., Leeds United, Sheffield United. You can watch that. That's your choice. But then we get <laughs> to the big games. Leicester City, Manchester City. Um, Andy, Leicester City beat Manchester United in the FA Cup. Manchester United beat Manchester City in the league. Getting some goosebumps before this game? Um. I mean, considering that they also beat us 5-2 at the start of the season. Now, was the start of the season the City team that we saw are seeing now? No. But, you know, Leicester do pose a lot of threats, and they bring in some stuff that, you know, City's kind of been snake-bitten from them. And if you look at some of the previous results, they haven't been that great. So, you know, it may be another game that's going to, you know, really trouble City. Now, do I think that City can't win? No, I think they can win. Uh, I think, you know, Gundogan, De Bruyne have been fantastic. 
it's just going to be whether or not that the strikers can continue to just get in behind whoever that is. I mean, that we've been rotating so many people. Uh, I think one guy that's a big factor is Riyad Mahrez and also Phil Foden. Uh, can they, uh, you know, get some shots on goal? Can they get create chances? Because that's going to be the biggest part. Uh, it's just you know keeping the pressure on them. Not too too worried about the defense. I mean, Vardy is always a factor. Tielemans has really stepped up uh, since Harvey Barnes and Madison have been hurt. So as long as you contain them, I think City can at least pull it out. Maybe one nil maybe 2-0 at the best. This is an absolutely humongous game for Leicester. Um, Leicester have by far the toughest schedule out of any of the teams. Um, you know, they play City this weekend, and then next weekend they play uh, West, Ham, West Ham, which that's, that's not an easy game, very obvious now. And then at the end of the season, their last three weeks are just awful. You know, they play Tottenham the last week. I mean, that could be a battle for who knows what. Uh, they play Chelsea. You know, and I think they still play Manchester United. Um, they play four big six clubs plus West Ham in there, and then you know they they, have, they played like Palace and Southampton, which neither of those games are easy. This is big for Brendan Rodgers. Got to show why he's a top manager. Um, if they have a similar fall to last year, you're gonna people are gonna start asking some questions. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure which game is gonna be bigger on the last day, that game or the uh, Fulham Newcastle game. Because they're only two points apart, right at 17th and 18th. But we shall see. And right after the Manchester City, Leicester City game is Arsenal, Liverpool. I know a lot of people have been talking about is Lacazette going to start? Is Aubameyang going to start? Some people are talking about Roberto Firmino coming back. Uh, he's in contention. He was in training. But I want to talk about one thing that seems to be dominating social media. And that has been Allison Becker's new mustache. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but this thing is absolutely glorious. He looks like Magnum P.I. It's it's amazing. And I think it's going to bring, I don't know, some, some special powers into the team. We got some good history, Liverpool, with uh, keepers with mustaches. Uh, Bruce Grabelar is the first one that comes to mind. He was uh, back in the, the, the 80s. Um, so I'm... Um, I'm getting good vibes for this game. Uh, also, Diogo Jota, uh, I saw a post that was joking that he got injured for carrying the Portuguese team with his two goals. Um, so we'll see if he's back in contention. But I, I really don't know how I feel about this game, to be honest. Arsenal's a tough opponent. They beat they beat Spurs. Um, Liverpool's not in the best spot right now, of course. But Kabak and... Uh, and Nat Phillips have three clean sheets in, clean, in three appearances. But uh, I want to get y'all's thoughts. Where, where are you thinking about this game? You need to win if you want top four. Yep. You need to win. Because at this point, you know, you got um, – I still think top four is wide open for anybody at the moment. Um, except I, I do think Manchester United is going to keep it and City is obviously going to keep it. But I think the other two spots are definitely available. And I would say Leicester too, but they have, they have a tough schedule. Uh, you got to keep up. And this is huge for you guys, um, especially with Everton being tied on points with you with a game in hand. Uh, this b- big. You guys got to win this weekend. Yeah, that'll be a good one. <laughs> that'll be a big one. So uh, we can finish off this week with everyone's favorite part of the podcast, the predictions. Uh, so far, Andy and David are tied in last place, third and final place. 
uh, with 11 points. Harrison is just ahead with 14, and I'm currently in the lead uh, with 21 points. So, uh, Andy, we can go ahead and start with you. What are your predictions for this week? Okay, I gotta I gotta have a good week this week. So that's what you say every week. I, I just want to point I that say out every week. But this week, it's going to be a good week. I I just know. I just know. And my first prediction is I think Aston Villa will beat Fulham. And I I just think, you know, the way Villa are playing, sure, they don't have Grealish. And Fulham, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get from it. It could be a 1-1 draw or they just get absolutely crushed. And I think Villa will get at least a comfortable win. Fulham won't make it easy, but got Villa. Uh, my next pick is I'm going to take Southampton against uh, over Burnley. Uh, I went against Southampton last time with Sheffield, and that was just not a wise decision. I thought that their <laughs> poor form would, uh, you know, kind of reap rewards if I picked Sheffield, but that sure didn't happen because it was 3-0. And I think Southampton will get at least a point from Burnley, I'd imagine. Seems like it's going to be a good week. Uh, David, on to you. What are your predictions? I'll be taking Leeds over Sheffield. Uh, I should just pick every team over Sheffield lately, but I need to get Leeds off my radar. And I will be taking Tottenham over Newcastle. I just think Sun's going to be back. Um, you know, some guys are healthy. Uh, I really like what Mourinho's done um, since our devastating loss to Zagreb, and I'm hoping that it just continues. You got to bring the uh, the Mourinho mug over this weekend. I think it's it's got. You know, I, it's got I, good vibes. I have to say, I think the Mourinho mug is actually good luck. Mm. I don't. I, I mean, I don't think I've lost a game since I've used it in the morning. So you you didn't use it for the Arsenal game. I did not. There you go. And also, I mean, I'm super superstitious. It also depends on the jersey I wear. I haven't lost what, since wearing Lucas Mora, um, but I can't wear some of the other jerseys because I, they're bad luck. It's just you know. So so. That's why we lost four three on aggregate. Is you wore that f- Lucas Moore? No, 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 no. I, 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 I wore Hillman's son that game. What, well, what did you wear for pick. the final? I think I wore Kane. That's and, unfortunate. And Kane and I wore Kane for the North London Derby too. That's mm. that's I, the wrong I only, answer. I only wear Kane um, on like huge games. Mm-hmm. Then you should game. change what you wear to Lucas Mora. I know. Change, David. <laughs> Change. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Harrison, what are your predictions? I've got Tottenham beating the dreadful Newcastle side, and I think West Ham will probably beat Wolves. Yeah, West Ham's been a pretty popular choice. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to beat Wolves too. I already picked West Ham, so I can't pick them again this week. Uh, but I'm going to go with the easy one. I'm not sure why you guys didn't pick this, but Chelsea over West Brom. Already taken Chelsea. Already taken Chelsea. Have you guys taken Chelsea? I'd just rather not take them. All right. Well, you're <laughs> going to have to pick them eventually. I thought about picking. I really I really did consider. So I'm going to pick, um, yeah, Chelsea over West Brom. And I really did consider picking United over Brighton just because. Um, but I, I didn't because Brighton are just so all over the place. It could be anything in this game. Uh, so I will be picking Everton over Crystal Palace. Uh, pains me to ever pick them, but I'm doing it this week. Shout out to Tanner. Congratulations. Um, 
And that does it for our show this week. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you next week after some actual Premier League games. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stoppage Time. You can follow us on Instagram at stoppagetime91.1 for news, updates, and more. Be sure to tune in next week for another great episode on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts.